Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hey, this is Power Card, aka Project Pat, and you're listening to the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast, the best Ravens podcast on the planet. That's pretty incredible. In fact, it's La Marvelous. Thank you guys. Welcome on back to another edition of the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast. It is Monday, March 16th. Uh, my name is Jake Luke, and I am joined by my very good friend, Mr. Vasily Larikos. What's going on, bud? I'm doing pretty well. Good news today from the Ravens front. Uh, considering we're in the midst of a global pandemic, I think I'm doing pretty good. Ultimately, yeah, I think uh, you look uh, in times of, you know, crisis uh you you look to your friends and i would consider the baltimore ravens a good friend of mine as i would consider you a good friend of mine so here we are uh yeah i mean since spencer and i last recorded i believe we did a wednesday episode last week and that wednesday night is kind of when the shit hit the fan with the coronavirus uh starting to buck its head over here in the u.s uh rudy gobert uh tested positive the utah jazz and the okc thunder i believe were pulled off of the court uh prior to the game getting started that they were supposed to play Gobert tested positive, uh, Donovan Mitchell tested positive, and then I think one other NBA player, Christian Wood, did as well. Uh, so that kind of sent the uh, alarm bells going off in the sports world. The NBA uh, indefinitely suspended all play. Pretty much every other sport started to follow suit, except for golf. The player, the, <laughs> the players was going on Thursday pretty strong, and then uh, eventually they kind of caved in too, and they're suspended right now uh, with the Masters also suspending indefinitely, which really sucks. Um March Madness canceled. I mean, it's it's a weird, weird time, dude. Um, and I, you know, it's kind of hard to put into words. Uh, it's it's a weird, scary situation that I don't want to dwell on too much because I personally know that I've been turning to podcasts a little bit and you know stuff like this to sort of take my mind off of it. But uh, I don't know. I guess what what are your thoughts on it? It is. It's surreal. I mean, uh, you know, just change your lifestyle and everybody's the whole country. Um, it's it's a scary can be scary a little bit i think in a situation like this we've obviously never at least in my lifetime never had something like this happen but uh take a cautious approach better safe than sorry and uh, err on the side of caution and hopefully um 
it'll pass reasonably soon and, and we can get back to uh, to everything that we enjoy. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, it's a scary thing when you start to have things like sports get canceled. And I know that's sort of when it all started to really seem real when uh, they started to go away, because those are your kind of distractions from the rest of life that can be shitty at times. But um, I think, yeah, you know, let's just all keep a cool head, um, start to follow the precautions, listen to the uh, smart people that are telling you to uh, practice social distancing, whatever that means, staying at home, washing your hands, being sanitary and, uh, you know, just be smart and uh, look out for people, even if you're not in a demographic that it uh, could affect in an adverse way. Just kind of, you know, be respectful of the people that are. And uh, to anyone who's kind of dealing with this, whether tangibly or intangibly, um, and it's kind of negatively affecting you, um, I'm with you. Uh, I hear you. It's very tough and a very weird thing to deal with. But uh, ultimately, I think long term, we're going to be all right. Uh, it's going to be a weird couple of weeks or months or whatever, but uh, we're going to get through it. Absolutely. Absolutely. We have to uh, pull together and and look out for one another and, and not be self-centered. Definitely during a time like this. Yep, precisely. So uh, that's pretty much uh, all I want to uh, hit on it there. You know, it's like, like I said, very, very weird. And, uh, you know, kind of want to give people a little bit of a reprieve from it. But I guess, you know, it does affect the NFL a little bit. Uh, a lot of NFL teams putting out statements on it. Uh, the Ravens did, I believe they're going to be having um, all of their staff, I think, working remotely. They've pulled all their scouts in their official statement. Uh, is public health and safety have always been top priorities for the Ravens due to the rapidly evolving COVID-19 situation effective today. Virtually all team personnel will work remotely for a minimum of two weeks. All air business travel has been suspended. We will continue to evaluate this developing situation and adjust as circumstances warrant. So, yeah, you got the new league year, I think, starting at the same time. Uh, thankfully, free agency, you don't necessarily need to have a ton of in-person stuff going on. So maybe that's just going to proceed as normal. Uh, I saw Kyle uh, was posting in the Slack chat that the draft could maybe get delayed into May a little bit. So maybe some tangible effects from it on the NFL. Uh, but as of right now, uh, nothing too crazy. Um but yeah, like I said, that's that's kind of all we got on that. So I just wanted to jump right into uh, a ton of Ravens news that has occurred um, since we last recorded. Like I said, uh, it came across the wire uh, last week that the Ravens have placed the franchise tag on Matt Judon. He will be playing on a $16 million cap figure this year. He had this to say uh, per Josina Anderson, I'd rather have a long-term deal for stability. It is what it is. I feel like this is what many of us go through that are facing free agency. At the end of the day, I know I'm playing football next season. So no holdout for the former fifth rounder from uh, D2, Grand Valley State. Uh, and he is fresh off of a career year with nine and a half sacks and his first Pro Bowl appearance. So they placed the tag on him. We'll see what happens as far as a trade. That's something that's been floated. But uh, yep, Matt Judon is your franchise player for the Baltimore Ravens in 2020. The real key, and I think we all knew the tag was coming, is that uh, he's not going to hold out, or at least that's what you would take from from his statement there. And I think that's huge for the Ravens. The fact that they can keep him for 2020, potentially, without a long-term commitment could be the perfect situation for a team that is going to have several big contracts to pay. Next, this time next year, Lamar Jackson will be eligible for an extension, as will Marlon Humphrey, as will Mark Andrews and Orlando Brown Jr., that entire draft class after three years accrued. So you can keep Judon, who in my mind is one of the best options. Definitely I don't think you're going to draft a player that's better than him at the edge. And he, one of, some of the other free agents are on his level, maybe slightly better. Um, but you're going to have to give any of those guys a long-term deal. 
So with Judon, you could technically keep him for 2020, see how it goes, and then you have maximum flexibility as well next year. Yeah, and with some of the volatility, I think, in the way that um, he's sort of approached talking about this, whether it's on social media or in press conferences, maybe that's the right move because you want to make sure you got a guy who's going to have the right mindset. And I think he is. I, you know, I have a lot of faith in Judon. It's been interesting watching him grow, uh, and he's certainly sort of coming into that period of his career where he's going to be in his prime and he's going to be expected to produce a lot. And like I said, his first Pro Bowl nod last year, nine and a half sacks, four forced fumbles, which was fourth in the league. Uh, you know, that's a pretty good number, but I mean, it's not all about the numbers. The guy does plenty in, you know, terms of dropping back into coverage in terms of run defense. He's a very complete player, uh, 70.5 overall grade from PFF with a 78.2 as his pass rush. So, uh, definitely geared more towards that in terms of the PFF. Um, but yeah, just a, a complete player. And I think we're going to, yeah, like you said, approach this with a wait and see type of, uh, attitude. They know what they have with Judon. He's a known commodity. They know how he fits in the scheme. Some of the detractors say he benefited from the scheme, which he sure, certainly did. But he also helped create a scheme that uh, that allows so much deception with his versatility. And you also have to consider he wasn't playing with uh, necessarily the best supporting cast around him in the front seven last year. And he produced. He outproduced pretty much all of the other free agent edge rushers available. And again, you'd have to give those other guys, Dante Fowler, um, Jadavion Clowney, they're all going to be very expensive. Even Shaq Barrett, um, certainly Shaq Barrett and Shaq Lawson, another guy that some of the fan base have kicked around a little bit. Pass rushers are expensive. They're all pretty much, quote unquote, overpaid and they're all pretty much overdrafted because they're rare. There's not as many of them to go around. So keeping Judon in the fold, I think, is definitely beneficial for the Ravens. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, speaking of pass rush and, you know, schemes and everything like that, he got a little bit of backup today. Uh, Today being Sunday, we're recording this about 3 p.m. to release on Monday. Um, But, yeah, the Ravens made a big move. They traded a fifth-round pick to the Jacksonville Jaguars for defensive end Calais Campbell. Uh, They've reportedly already agreed to a contract extension for him. Actually, not an extension. I think it's a whole new contract. Uh, through 2021 or 22. It was kind of vaguely reported on Twitter, but I think ultimately it settled on 21. Uh, He was set to have a $17 million cap hit through this year, uh, which obviously was not ideal, but the team and uh, his agent Tom Condon had been talking for a little while. They have agreed to that uh, new contract that I mentioned at a number of about $27 million total over two years, $20 million guaranteed. So looking like it's going to be about a $10 million per year cap hit. Uh, talk about guarantees or thereabouts. Uh, and I guess the Ravens are going to be left with around $4.6 million uh, in cap space. As things stand per spot track, they still got a lot of moves to make. I absolutely love this move. Eric DaCosta is a wizard. He's a master. He is the GOAT so far. For the second offseason in a row, he's uh, he's landed the top veteran on my wish list, personal wish list. Last year was Earl Thomas. This year is Calais Campbell, an all-pro player. Um, he was PFF's run defender of the year last season in 2019, while also being the sixth most effective interior pass rusher, according to Next Gen Stats, with the 15% pass rush win rate. Uh, he can do it all. He can play up and down the line. He, you know, he defensive line was the one 
position group that made the most sense to add someone in free agency because there was a lot of options. Campbell was the best of the bunch, and I think it's going to be huge for the Ravens to now have a player who can provide some pressure from the inside, which is so valuable and so vital against a lot of the the new offensive systems that they're going to be going against. Yeah, 90.6 run defense grade per PFF, which is pretty insane. 80.9 in terms of pass rush, which is also very good in its own right. Uh, Six sacks is the total. Um, People might look at that as like not a huge number, but for an interior pass rusher, uh, it's pretty damn good. And pairing it up with a guy like Judon, provided they hang on to him, uh, I think it's a tremendous pairing in terms of fit. Um, You know, just a lot of different things that you can do uh, with those two guys, I believe. Um, And yeah, it's just a great pairing all the way around uh, between team and player. I mean, the guys, you know, you, you I kind of was throwing this out on Twitter that you were going to roll your eyes at like the veteran leadership stuff, but you had a good response in that. Like it, it's not something that hurts at all. And it comes in the form of a player who is still very good. Uh, And it's going to bring, I think a different vibe, at least up to the front seven and to the whole defense in general, because they're very young. So I think you've got him and Earl kind of as your leaders now holding things down. And uh, they're two very good players, like I mentioned. So, I mean, that's definitely something that uh, you would prefer to have. Uh, We have this coming across the wire from uh, our buddy Spencer, who couldn't make the pod today. He was up in Philadelphia. He's not going to be back uh, till much later. Uh, Him saying my only comment uh, to be read on the episode, Cialis adds great length. He he. Yeah, you gave him that nickname uh, what was it, a couple weeks ago when we were kicking around the idea, and I think it's fitting because everybody, pretty much everybody, I think, had him at the top of the wish list. Uh, Field Yates put out a tweet. Calais Campbell was one of three players in the NFL with at least 50 tackles and six and a half sacks in each of the last three years. He is long, powerful, athletic, disruptive, one of the most respected players people in the NFL. He's also missed only six games in 12 years. He follows it up with what a coup for Baltimore. He checks every single box. And I think now you have him with Brandon Williams, who, uh, when I wrote an, an article a few weeks back about attacking defensive line and free agency, found a picture of B. Will and Campbell having a good time at the Pro Bowl two years ago and made that the uh, the photo. But you have him and B. Will and Judon. The front seven is really starting to come together. And it, the, the team, the way the cost is building, it's a complementary – the roster complements itself. You have players, the offense, the defense, everything kind of meshes together and gives them a really good chance to chase that Lombardi trophy and match up against uh, maybe the Chiefs who, who they're trying to dethrone. Yeah, for sure. I mean – it's just like a perfect fit. Like you mentioned, it's why fans had been speculating on it so much going back several weeks. I mean, this is something that, uh, you know, a lot of fans were anticipating could probably happen and it does. Uh, and it happens. I feel like we've barely even touched on this for a fifth round pick that they acquired in the Corey Vedvik trade last off season. Insane. And what DeCosta has done with, uh, with these trades and the value that he's found, um, somebody posted on our uh, on our article in Baltimore Beatdown, um, uh, based something along the lines of uh, Kenny Young, Kerry Vedvik, a fourth round pick and a fifth round pick, or maybe that fourth round pick was or fifth round pick was from Vedvik, uh, returned Marcus Peters and Calais Campbell. So it doesn't get much better than that. The cost is just pulling all the right lever levers and maximizing value and finding the very cream of the crop free agency wise. And he does bring that leadership. 
leadership's always great. You just don't want to overpay for it. That's really the key. Yeah, for sure. And that was kind of a move that I think Ozzy was getting criticized a little bit for towards the end of his career, which uh, makes sense. Um, but DaCosta comes in and it's like I wrote on the roundtable wrap up. It's right player, right price, just remixed for 2020. I mean, it's a completely perfect fit. Um, the fifth round pick is just insane that the fact that they flipped two of those for maybe their best cornerback, probably not. But I mean, he's definitely right up there uh, with, you know, the other best cornerback in the NFL on the other side of him there. Um, and then a guy who's going to come up and be on the interior and get a lot of uh you know, production, a lot of leadership out of him. You know, it's a fifth round pick and he's probably going to finish his career as a Raven, hopefully. And uh, hopefully he gets a ring out of it, which you got to think he was looking for with the Jags sort of in a state of free fall right now, kind of selling everything off. Uh, Matt Bowen on Twitter saying um, D.E. Calais Campbell to the Ravens scheme fit in both base slash sub fronts, physical play style, plus sack production, interior matchups on passing downs, one on ones, plus twist, twist stunts at D.T. That sounds uh, like red meat to a guy like Wink, who is just so multiple. I think he's really going to uh, get a lot out of him. Absolutely, he has that length. Um, you're a, le- a you're length. a length guy, not length. He, length? Uh, I don't know. I haven't thought about it. I could be convinced the other way. I think you're a length guy. <laughs> no, I like length. Um, he exactly with the with the the twists and the stunts. He's a perfect guy. There were a lot of really good defensive linemen available this year. Whether it was a Gerald McCoy. Javon Hargrave, um, DJ Reader, but Campbell's better pass rusher than all of them. And it was only the fifth round pick, Vedvik and Young returned Peters and Campbell. And sure, Peters and Campbell are going to be taking up a lot of the cap, but you get what you pay for. It's worth paying for a guy with those these kind of guys with this kind of pedigree that are so essential and effective in pass defense, which is really the key to having a good defense nowadays. I'd much rather pay whatever the cap hit's going to be, depending on how they structure the, uh, the extension, uh, 12 million, even 15 million for a Campbell versus 80% of that or 70% of that for a guy that's maybe a better run defender, but doesn't have as much juice to get out to the quarterback. And, uh, with the way this defense is coming together with this secondary continuing, and we'll see who that fourth cornerback is going to end up being, but with Peters and Humphrey and Thomas and Clark, He's going to have a lot of opportunities to get up to the quarterback, and Wink's going to continue dialing up those blitzes and and deception and the way they can run two-man game now is going to really, really help this defense. Yeah, I mean, it's just uh, it's a tremendous move all the way around. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's just like not a ton really else to say on it. It's just like pretty incredible that he managed it for a fifth rounder. It's pretty incredible that this guy is just the absolute perfect fit. Um, I had another thought there. I'm kind of blanking on it, but, uh, regardless, I think we have said enough on that potentially, um, all the big news today wasn't just Ravens related either. Uh, we had the new collective bargaining agreement officially agreed to between the NFL and the NFL players association, uh, guarantees a new decade of labor peace between both parties. Uh, and the main points uh, look to be a 17 game schedule is going to be official. I think starting in 2020 with a seventh playoff team entering the mix, still only one by, uh, it was floated that there could maybe be two, but, uh, it was only going to be one. Uh, there's more comprehensive benefits for players, both current and former, a high revenue share or higher revenue share, I should say, for the players. Uh, also, players will no longer be suspended for positive marijuana tests, which I think is a, a very good and big step. Uh, and, 
you know, the final tally came down to 1,119 players for 959 against, which I feel is pretty relevant to uh, this conversation. Yeah, it was a close vote. It seems that the higher paid players were more against the deal and because they weren't getting as much of a benefit and, and the, some of the lower paid players, the bottom end of your roster type of guys are the ones that pushed it through. Um, I think it's a pretty good deal. I was a little surprised the players did not hold out for a, a greater percentage of the revenue of the split. I thought they were going to try to get something closer to a 50-50 split. I think it's 47 or 48% is going to go to the players. Um, but there's certainly a lot of benefits to it. Uh, as far as the extra game, regular season game, and the extra playoff team, selfishly from a fan's perspective, I like it. I think it's more football to watch. And another team and, and other teams vying for that last playoff spot down the stretch maybe makes weeks 8, 17, 18, 19 more competitive, more compelling um, so we'll see how it affects things. The cap is supposed to continue on its trajectory of adding about 10% per year additionally, which could put the total cap up in the $260, $270 million range a um, couple years from now. So a lot of money to go around, and I think that probably helps a team like the Ravens that have a lot of exciting young players to pay. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I, yeah, I think it does put that cap number at right around 200. Um, and it's interesting. I think uh, it is a good benefit for uh, some of the rank and file players throughout the league, some of the higher paid ones, maybe not so happy with it. But the way I kind of look at that is like you guys are already have the highly paid players. You're already doing pretty good. And there is this kind of anti-establishment segment of Twitter who I think uh, is right on you know some stuff and not so correct on some other stuff and they're kind of always going to push back against a 17 game schedule because of like player health and stuff like that um, which I think there there are you know probably some valid points to be uh, you know taken from that but I think ultimately a 17th game isn't too bad they're going to be I think rolling back the number of practices uh, throughout I think some OTAs and mini camps so takes away some of the strain uh, or some of the strain on the players is going to be, you know, taken out in the wash uh, with those, you know, going out of the way. So where I, I net out on it is ultimately, yes, it is a positive. Um, and the 2017 Ravens would have gotten in the playoffs uh, had this been the structure. So put that in your pipe and smoke it there, Tyler Boyd. <laughs> yeah, they are reducing padded practices in the off season, which at the end of the day, is going to have the players having less contact throughout a, a year, even though they're playing an additional game. Uh, I think it was Jeff Swartz or one of the uh, the big football offensive linemen uh, was putting out that that's maybe 200 less collisions per year, even though there is an additional game. So, uh, hey, the players signed it. Um, so it's good to have that settled. And now that the NFL can start negotiating the new TV deals, which is going to be a Big time bidding war, and and that's and all that money is going to continue to trickle down to the players. So it's a good thing to have that settled finally. Yeah, for sure, it kind of opens up that conversation to start to be had. Uh, it opens up the rest of the off season to sort of get rolling. I think more deals are going to be announced, more trades, uh, more free agent signings. So uh, you know, thankfully, it kind of in what is currently a very turbulent time in the country, it does provide some normalcy to the fact that the NFL season is probably going to be 
uh, rolling on pretty much as planned. I think maybe some delays and stuff like I mentioned earlier, but uh, for the most part, you're, you're going to be getting uh, a relatively normal offseason thanks to the fact that this is now agreed to officially. Definitely. So we'll see what how the uh, the Corona virus impacts the NFL. I guess leading up to the draft, one of the problems is a lot of the pro days are canceled, um, and there are people are limiting travel, so they're not visiting teams as much. So they may push back the draft. There's been some conflicting reports there. If they hold the draft as scheduled without going through the full pro day circuit. I think that could hurt some of the smaller school players that were not invited to the combine that won't have a chance to show teams what they can do. Um, but it's a fluid situation. We'll see. Yeah, I forgot where I heard this. I think it might have been stick to football uh, that our buddy Connor is on uh, for Bleacher Report. And I think it was uh, Matt Miller, uh, the NFL draft scout guy uh, who's good at his job, very well connected. He said that uh, one league source reached out to him and said, we're going to be conducting the draft and selecting players actually based on football and tape this time around. How novel of an idea is that? <laughs> sure. Hey, I think it probably benefit if they do do it, go forward uh, and hold it as scheduled. I think it benefits a team like the Ravens who have one of the best scouting departments and they always have some gems up their sleeve that other teams don't know about. And that could be the case certainly this year. Yeah, it's kind of a funny, good point. Your heart kind of does go out to those guys who are maybe relying on the testing or the meetings to maybe knock it out the part and improve their stock a little bit. But uh, unfortunately, it's probably not going to be happen at least going to be happening at least in the way that they uh, were potentially thinking. Uh, so yeah, I think that's just kind of an interesting way of looking at it, and uh, it's going to be an interesting off season because of all of that uh, type of stuff that's going on. So we're going to see what happens. But moving on. Couple more housekeeping items to hit uh, before we get to the listener questions and close it out. First, being that the Ravens re sign wide receiver kick returner DeAnthony Thomas to a one year contract. Uh, this from Clifton Brown. The Ravens have re signed Thomas to a one year contract. The team announced Saturday. The 27 year old returner slash wide receiver joined Baltimore in week 10 last year after being released by the Kansas City Chiefs. In eight games with the Ravens, Thomas returned 13 punts for 93 yards, 7.2 yards average, and returned 10 kicks for 166 yards, 16.6 average. Uh, I'm not particularly excited about this one, to be honest with you. I thought that Thomas would provide. Uh, a little bit more production last year. The Ravens have traditionally had a lot of success returning kicks and scoring uh, with them, even uh, Cyrus Jones in the 2018 season. And Thomas didn't necessarily do that. Now, maybe that's a factor of the special teams weren't as good. The blocking wasn't as good. And I was kind of hoping that the Ravens could find um, on day two, maybe a Brandon Ayuk in the draft or Donovan Peoples-Jones a rookie who can help receiving the receiving core as well as return kicks, but that can still happen. Um, so I guess it's good to have somebody in the fold. So kick returner isn't a need and you can still upgrade if you, if you can. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and this by no means is like some massive binding thing, obviously. And, uh, it's just kind of a small bit that I wanted to hit on. Uh, I actually kind of like the resigning a little bit. Maybe it's just me, but I feel like I kind of liked what I saw from him, at least in terms of returning punts. He's pretty creative with the ball in his hand. So ultimately, like you mentioned, if they can't find a guy in the draft or like a young guy that they like, 
uh, you know, who's pretty explosive in the return game. He's at least, you know, somebody that has experience doing it. Uh, and I think for a young coordinator like Chris Horton, it's good to just kind of have guys like that, veterans that sort of know what they're doing and you don't really need to you know, coach them up too much. So uh, ultimately, I kind of like the move personally. And uh, I guess we'll see uh, if they do, you know, go ahead and try to bring in some competition. I guess that would be a good thing no matter what. Um, but yeah, you know, DeAnthony Thomas back on a one year deal, not exactly knocking down the, uh, the press is there with that one, but uh, it is relevant nonetheless, as is that the Ravens are working on an extension for defensive end or outside linebacker Jihad Ward. Uh, this per Jeff's Reback on Twitter, Ravens still getting some work done on signing their own pending free agents. Per sources, they're finalizing a deal with outside linebacker DN Jihad Ward, who played well for them last year after he was picked up. I hope they can uh, retain Ward on a two, three-year deal, low cost, uh, valuable player, valuable player. He was taking more snaps than Ferguson or Bowser towards the end of the season because he's a better run stuffer. And uh, most of the runs, everybody's talking about inside linebacker, inside linebacker. Most of the runs that hurt the Ravens last year were to the outside. And Ward can play all along the line. Um, so if they can bring back Ward, and then one more veteran inside linebacker, whether that be Christian Kirksey, who was recently released by Cleveland, who's been rumored, or Josh Bynes, could be brought back on a low-cost deal. Then you enter the draft. The defensive front seven is stocked uh, with starters. It's not – you could certainly look to improve, and I think they try to draft at least one edge and one D lineman, if not two edge defenders – but you're in a decent spot where you can kind of do BPA instead of having a glaring knee that you need to fill. Yeah, for sure. Very versatile player, uh, cheap. And uh, he was, I believe, a second or third round pick several years ago, I think by the Colts. Um, or maybe it was the Raiders. But he's kind of bounced around a little bit. Um, but it seems like he found a good spot here in Baltimore, maybe somewhere he can call home for a little bit. Um, and a guy who is a very good ro- rotational piece in a wink defense that, like I said, is pretty multiple. Uh, you know, you've you got a lot of subs going on and whatnot. So having a guy who can kind of handle that grind and, uh, you know, be a good uh, asset on the field for wink, I think is good to have. Um, Jihad Ward's Twitter feed is pretty sick. Um, three days ago, uh, he tweets this on God hands now. Then two days ago, he tweets 2020, the worst year already. SMH, he spells year YR, capitals. Uh, two days ago, he tweets, fuck this, I'm staying in the house. Uh, <laughs> one day ago, he tweets, y'all wear breathing masks, ETC to airports, but don't wear it in clubs, peace sign. Uh, they think we going to get, this is from a day ago. Um, they think we going to get too comfortable from last year, and I'm still mad, dot, 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 dot. See y'all soon, MFs. I think that means... Uh, motherfuckers uh and then he retwe- <laughs> he retweeted it uh like a couple hours later which is pretty sweet yeah that's a good attitude to have from a, a, a defensive uh player you know he likes to get after it um i hope he can come back like i said you need a couple rotational players and you nailed it he's a great fit for the scheme versatile and now you just continue adding these versatile pieces on the front and just give uh wink martindale so much flexibility and the key is going to be that the offense continues scoring at a high rate, and then you just let the defense get after it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, And so we are going to jump to a quick break and then close the show out with a couple listener questions. 
So jumping into listener questions, not a ton to get to. Uh, I think we had about five or six. Uh, I threw this out a little bit ahead of recording. I uh, didn't have a ton of prep time because you had to get this thing done around three o'clock. So uh, recording a little bit earlier than we usually do. But we got just enough, I think, to fill a small segment here. So starting off, our buddy ZJ Batman, uh, who's always tweeting at the, uh, the show account. Very uh, loyal listener. Uh, he says chances of Jimmy Smith coming back after Norman got his contract. So he's talking about Josh Norman going to the bills for a, a pretty decent figure. I forget exactly what it was, but it definitely feels like it's going to be affecting Jimmy Smith's value and whether or not he returns to the Ravens. What are your thoughts? Um, I'm not really sure. I, I was hoping that Jimmy was going to be brought back. The Ravens can open up $6 million of space if they release Brandon Carr. So they might be able to shoehorn Jimmy in, um, it, depending on how the structure of Campbell and whether they extend Stanley and five other factors. Um, I think they do need a strong fourth corner. If I had to predict, I think Jimmy's probably doesn't return. But early in the offseason, he did say he has a comfort level and he might be willing to come back at a slight hometown discount. So still hopeful, but uh, but not uh, confident. Yeah, for sure. It kind of at this point feels like it's either Carr or Jimmy now. Um, so Because it felt like maybe Jimmy would come back uh, on a smaller number than market average because of some of the stuff that he was saying about how he loved the Ravens uh, for sticking by him and how he kind of wanted to remain loyal. I think this definitely jacks his value up for sure. I think he's a much better cornerback than Josh Norman is. Health is kind of the only issue for him. Um, but it's definitely like Brandon Carr was definitely going to be re- released. Um and, you know, there was questions as to whether he'd be brought back on a smaller number. Who knows? Um, but at this point, it feels like it's either that's going to happen or Jimmy's going to come back at hopefully a smaller number than Norman got. But uh, for me at this point, with Norman jacking the value up like that, I feel like they're pretty much both gone. Uh, and, you know, maybe Carr comes back on that lower number. But uh, I guess we shall see. It's an interesting situation because Norman, um, I think, was a pretty good zone corner in Carolina, or he obviously was. And then they sort of misused him a little bit uh, in Washington. Uh, that's kind of how Spencer was explaining it and the, the way that I've sort of seen it. So maybe he could get into that Sean McDermott defense they've got going on up there in Buffalo and start to perform really well and justify that number. But uh, if he doesn't, then it feels like Jimmy Smith is going to deservedly get something right around that, probably above it. Yeah, Norman looked washed last year, really. He was, he was burnt a lot. Pretty much every time I saw him, he was getting burnt. Uh, Jimmy, we're going to see. It's all speculation. Does the Lamar Jackson effect maybe have some players come to Baltimore at at less than what they could receive on the open market because they're because they feel confident that this team has a good chance to win a Super Bowl, and they're going to chase a ring. Uh, we're going to see. We're going to see how that plays out. So, hope Jimmy comes back. But uh, I don't know. We'll, the problem is there's not a whole lot of other corners really out there. And then who are you going to draft? As far as Carr, he was really the dime safety towards the end of the year. Jimmy was playing corner, so obviously the Ravens valued his coverage more than Carr's. Maybe maybe they draft a, uh, a rangy safety to play the deep end for dime. Who knows? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you've got uh, a bunch of young guys that – really kind of need to step up at this point now too with Anthony Averett, Amon Marshall they drafted last year, Tavon Young, hopefully that guy can freaking stay healthy for, you know, one day. 
Um, and they get a nice stable uh, of young dudes and behind the studs that they already have up front. Uh, and it feels like they're going to be fine either way, no matter what happens with the, both of those guys. And uh, if Jimmy does want to go cash in somewhere else and get a, a big contract, I'm not going to begrudge him one bit. Uh, he's done a great job in Baltimore. It was a huge part, you know, in them winning a Super Bowl um, back in 2013. So uh, best of luck to him if he goes and uh, if he stays. I hope it is nowhere near Norman's number. <laughs> No doubt. Moving they, on. They do, they do need a strong fourth corner. That's a key. There's much pressure as they put on the defense, on the cornerbacks in particular. Everything kind of they, – they lock down the outside, and then Winks has flexibility. And Tavon was, plays at a high level, but he's coming off a disc injury in his neck. Um, so they do need a strong fourth corner one way or another. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's a mindset that this franchise is known for is you can never have too many good cornerbacks. So – uh yeah, I mean, it's something that you want to monitor a little bit. I don't think it's an immediate need, but uh, it's something to just keep an eye on, especially with that signing happening. Moving on, uh, our buddy Jesse Balasus. Uh, how many average-sized humans would it take to stop Calais Campbell? I'm assuming he means like like how an offensive lineman would. Average-sized humans stopping Calais Campbell. <laughs> I don't know. Three, I guess. <laughs> Three? I was thinking like six. Because like how big he is and how powerful he is. Like he's bull through, like I feel like even two or three people and then maybe you double that and they can maybe like stop him, stop him. But I don't like, what are we talking about? Like with average size, do you think is that like five eleven something five ten? Yeah, probably five, five, 10, uh, one, one seventy, one eighty. I don't know. Sure. Yeah. So it feels like, uh, that you're going to need a lot of that. So my number is going to be about six. I guess you're saying three there then. Yeah, I don't know. That's a that's a tricky question. <laughs> well, hopefully the uh, Browns, Bengals, and Steelers make some strange investments on the offensive line, and we find out uh, next season. But I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, moving on, a very handsome listener uh, at Vasily Beatdown, uh, Eric DaCosta is elite. All caps. Your thoughts? Yeah, he uh, he is elite. I I could not be more satisfied with pretty much every single movie makes, and I just love how. Uh, he uh, takes the modern approach and pays the positions that, that should be paid and doesn't pay the ones that shouldn't. And uh, I don't know. Uh, Ozzy Newsom towards the end, he, he was starting to slip a little bit. I hate to say it. He was obviously one of the best general managers of all time and should go in the Hall of Fame for the second time. But DaCosta has taken his foundation and built upon it. And uh, Ravens Nation is very lucky to have him at the helm. Yeah, I was kind of talking about the Campbell thing today. I was having a lot of fun with it on Twitter because I was pretty jacked up. Um, And good friend of the show, Daniel B., uh, reached out uh, and he said, I I believe he said that Eric DaCosta is the best general manager in football right now. I like I can't think of another guy. I mean, and obviously I'm biased, but I can't think of another guy. Maybe Brett Veach over in Kansas City. Uh, I'm still a big fan of Howie Roseman. I know the Eagles have kind of had a couple down years, but I think you could very much make a case that Eric DaCosta is the best active NFL general manager. Well, he transitioned the team without missing a beat, you know, and he was instrumental in picking Lamar and putting all the weapons around him and everything. I mean, he just, he gets it. He gets it the new way. And he's taken, like I said, he's taken the foundation Ozzy built and modernized it. And he's aggressive. I love everything about him. Yeah, for sure. Um, Just, a complete remix of what Ozzy had going on. I mean, Ozzy was at the forefront of uh, 
you know, the comp picks and some of the more innovational stuff that is now looked at as pretty conventional. But back in the early 2000s, things like acquiring comp picks and that kind of stuff uh, passed down to him by Belichick, obviously. But he was one of the, you know, general managers at the forefront of that. So that was kind of his innovation. And now DaCosta is uh, kind of doing the positional value type thing uh, and loading up uh, around a young quarterback. So uh, it's definitely very interesting watching him over what's almost a year now. Uh, and yeah, I absolutely love the guy too. I think he just approaches it the right way. He gets it. And, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun watching him to continue to build this team over however many years he's here, hopefully a very long time. Uh, moving on our buddy, skip Jack, uh, does getting Campbell affect Judon's future with the team? Um, it may affect long-term. I would say it it probably makes it a little bit less likely that they're going to have enough money to, to want to keep Judon long-term. Um, but I don't think it affects it short term. I mean, they're a- acquiring an aging player because they're, they're in win, ma- win now mode right now. And it's hard to find a more win now decision than having Judon play out 2020 on the tag. It kind of makes me think that like he it, he's definitely going to be around for the season. I don't think they're going to trade him now because this kind of feels like a load up move uh, to go and win a title to get a guy like Campbell. Um, who's going to get you a lot of immediate production and is an immediate solution uh, to an interior pass rush issue. And uh, I think you don't want to get rid of your you know, outside pass rush. So you're going to be hanging on to Judon for this year. And like you said, maybe it does affect it long term because you're taking a little bit of extra money off the books uh, with, like I said, I think a $10 million total cap hit uh, year to year for Campbell. So it's going to be tough to keep Judon long term. But I think short term, he is definitely going to be in the picture here in Baltimore. Moving on, uh, Gaz Poole from across the pond uh, tweets in and says, how on earth do we fill the huge hole in the O-line that Yonda has left behind? Is that the first round pick? That's a good question. Um, I would say it's definitely possible now. Like I thought it was already possible. Uh, It would feel like if Yonda had stayed around, it would have been a Ravens move to like pick a guard or something in the first round. It's like, well, what are we doing? Like we, you know don't really need one right now. And then Yonder retires a year later. And it's like, Oh, that's why they did that. I think now that distinctly opens up that possibility that maybe you're going after a guy like a Caesar Ruiz at the end of round one, or maybe you, you know, do some moving around and get a guy in the second round or something like that. But it's definitely a huge need for me right now. I'd maybe prefer a veteran in there uh, to replace the veteran presence that you lost, but we're going to, we're going to definitely have to find out. And there's just not a lot of pedigree on that interior O-line. There are guys that have played well. I think Bozeman filled in pretty well, uh, you know, judging on expectations. And I think Skura did a very good job um, improving after a rough start to his career. But uh, we're going to see. What do you think? Agree. I agree with everything you said. Um, I thought interior offensive line was a need. Even if Yonda did return, they did not fare well in either of the postseason losses the last two years. Uh, and now without Yonda, obviously, the, you don't want to be in a situation where you have Skura who, coming off a trifecta knee. Now, he was uh, not on crutches at Yonda's retirement ceremony, so I guess that's a good sign. But uh, Skura, and then you have Powers, who was well, he was a fourth-round pick last year, I believe. Yes, um, one of the three. Started, started one game, only active for one game. Makari did an ad- admirable job, but he wasn't – pushing people around um he his grading was mixed certainly you don't want to walk into the 2020 season 
with all of these championship aspirations when you have – and Bozeman. Bozeman playing very well. He's very solid. I'm, I'm confident in Bozeman. But you don't want to have – just hand the job to Macari and Powers and say, OK, we're done. Um, I think they definitely could look at Ruiz at number 28. I think he's going to be one of the best players there. And I thought the same before Yonder retired. It's hard to find that plug-and-play uh, center. Um, or they could look at free agency at the uh, offensive guard like Glasgow from the Lions, probably one of the decent options there. Probably the way the cap's shaping up after the Campbell trade, probably going to be the draft. And it's a decent offensive line crop, but I, Ruiz does head the class. But there are some uh, a handful of day two guys that could p- possibly start from day one as well. Yeah, it also depends. Maybe you talk about drafting a tackle and kicking them into right guard. I think Yonda was a tackle at Iowa, so that's was, yeah. yeah, so that's something they're going to be familiar with. Uh, but yeah, we're going to have to wait and see on that one. Obviously, um, with free agency maybe being a little different, with the draft maybe being a little different, who knows what their approach is going to be. But uh, yeah, ultimately, it's definitely a huge need right now, uh, at least in my book. And uh, I hope they fill it adequately because that offensive line, obviously, you don't get talked about a ton, but it's a huge reason for Lamar Jackson's success last year. And, you know, his uh, great jump that he made from year one to year two. So I hope they keep that good tradition of having a great O-line in front of him because I think that is a huge deal for him. Um, but moving on, last one we got here is from good friend of the show, Angie Hester, who reaches out and says, what would have to happen for us to keep Judon now? Who gets cut or traded? I think she means long term. Um, that's a hard question without knowing how they're they're looking at it long term, the, the long term planning. Um, you would think that they're not going to have enough money to pay Judon and Lamar, and Andrews, and Stanley, and Humphrey, and Peters all at the same time. Uh, Brandon Williams could potentially be a cap casualty candidate this time next year, almost $10 million in savings, and then potentially two off-seasons from now, Earl Thomas could create some cap space, but it's, it's kind of tough. You can only have so many kind of blue-chip, guys up at the top of the roster without really starting to impact your depth um so we'll see how much they valued you don and and what can be done but i wouldn't put it past Acosta at this point he's he's seems like he's making miracles happen all the time yeah for sure um and he's been ahead of the curve on a lot of this stuff so i think uh if he finds a what you know some sort of creative way to keep him around for the long term then it wouldn't really surprise me at all like we've been you know talking about uh, kind of filleting him a little bit here. He's been at the cutting edge of pretty much everything since he took over, at least in comparison to how Ozzy had been running things. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, ultimately I th- my gut says he probably goes after this year, but we're going to see what happens. And, um, yeah, maybe they do make a couple moves. It looks like they're going to be getting some guys off of the books here that are taking up some of that extra cap space. So we'll see. But uh, ultimately, that wraps up the listener questions. Um just wanted to throw this out there before uh, we get rolling. I uh, was looking over Raven's Reddit uh, post from you, Richie Will 410. Um, you're not a Madden guy, right? Like you haven't played Madden in a while. Not in a while. Not I have been a been a been a bit a uh, bit of time. Yeah. So the way it works these days is in, like in franchise mode is there's like a trading system where you like put a player on the block in exchange for one thing. Um, he posted a picture of 
the proposed trade, the trade that went down, a fifth round pick from Baltimore to Jacksonville for Calais Campbell. Uh, and it says trade declined. Trade interest level is like all the way down in the red. And there's <laughs> just like no interest in the trade from the Jags. So tough scene for them. Yeah, they're in a tough spot. A lot of holes, not a lot of cap space. Um, just glad we, we were the ones that took advantage of them. Yeah, for sure. And it just completely uh, underscores how damn good DaCosta has been. Uh, just completely on his game, uh, acquiring Peters in a similar manner and now doing it with Campbell. It's uh, it's pretty incredible. And it doesn't feel like he's pushing his chips all the way in. I mean, this isn't like a move where it's not like a Frank Clark where you got to go and pay the guy 20 million. Uh, you're not going to have him around for very long. It's, uh, you know, a, a move where you kind of still have a long term view in the picture, which I really like about it a lot. Um, but I guess that's enough on that unless you got any more thoughts. No, I'm just excited. I think they really filled the hole. And I think now you can enter the draft kind of looking at, let's see if we can add one more playmaker, a wide out, and uh, shore up the offensive line a little bit and draft some some guys, developmental pass rushers, edge rushers, and defensive linemen. And uh, it's a pretty strong-looking squad already, and they still have quite a few picks and even a little bit of cap space left to work with. Yep, and it feels like the first domino has fallen in terms of the offseason, not only for the Ravens, but for the league. Uh, and it's going to be a ton of fun to watch moving forward. Um, and I guess that's all we got. We're running at about uh, almost 50 minutes here. Um, you got anything else you want to throw out there before we get rolling? I feel like we don't get you on it enough. Uh, not too much. I, I think inside linebacker, we might be a little bit different there. And I think that's a place where the Ravens should uh, – should save. You have to pick your spots where to save, and I think in this system they could go with a lower cost option or a lower round draft pick and fill that hole pretty nicely. Um, we'll see what the Costa does, but I think that's kind of what I'm getting at by saying that he's built upon what Ozzy did because Ozzy would have been all over run defenders, and DaCosta's a little bit more let's pay the pass defenders and build up the offense and because that's maybe the best way to, to, to play run defense is to score so other teams can't run the ball on you. Yeah, it's an astute point. Um, and, yeah, I mean, with the way that the 2011 CBA structured things, you can really only have such a strong roster. You know, you're going to have some weak points. So it's all about capitalizing on the uh, valuable positions, and uh, it seems to Costa is really valuing that. So good on him, and uh, this is a fantastic move. Uh, and this was a fantastic uh, almost hour chilling with you, bud. Like I said, I feel like we don't get you on enough here. So it's great to get you on for a Sunday. I think we're going to be go or on, you know, on a Sunday to hang out with you. I mean, this is releasing on Monday, so I don't know what I'm doing. Got to get my head out of the clouds here. But yeah, <laughs> it was uh, it was a lot of fun. And I think we're going to be back to regularly scheduled programming. Spencer was up in Philadelphia, uh, so he will be back. And uh, we're going to keep this thing rolling. Um Content wise, maybe it'll be a little weird. I mean, we'll see what happens with free agency and all that stuff. Uh, but we're going to find a way to keep pumping stuff out for you because we love you guys so much. And uh, yeah, with all that's going on, I hope everyone is uh, just kind of hanging in and doing well. And maybe this podcast helps you get a little bit of a reprieve from all the weirdness uh, and everything that's going on. And, uh, you know, we, we hope you're enjoying your self-quarantine. My pleasure joining you, Jake. Everybody be safe out there. Um, be smart. Absolutely. Be smart like Eric DaCosta. Um, <laughs> but yeah, if you enjoyed the show, feel free to go ahead and subscribe to it. Leave a five star rating and a review for us, letting us know how much you love us. Uh, go ahead and follow the show on Twitter at Podcast Beatdown. Finally broke 800 followers. I've been trying to do that for like weeks uh, and it got over. Uh, you can follow me personally at Jake Luke. That's L-O-U-Q-U-E. Uh, where can the people follow you, my man? 
at Vasilis Beatdown, V-A-S-I-L-I-S-B-E-A-T-D-O-W-N. Good stuff. So, uh, like I said, really appreciate you coming on. You always got great insights. So, uh, yeah, it was a ton of fun, and uh, I hope you have a good one, buddy. You too. Bye. All right. All right, thanks a lot. Appreciate you guys. See you later. All right, God bless.